Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we're bringing you a very special episode because it's been quite a long time. Chris and I are bringing you our latest hot takes. We're very eager to tell you exactly what we've been watching since the last time we essentially gave you our hot takes. That's right. Uh, Our last official hot takes episode was back in June of 2021. We did have our year-end wrap-up, which is sort of a hot takes for like the year prior. And we did have a very special Flamers favorite section of our February Shooting the Flames episode. But this is going to be the bulk of things that we've watched most recently that we want to share with you, recommend, or maybe not, as the case may be. Right. This isn't a mad scramble at the end of the year to watch every horror movie that we might have missed, right? Scraping the bottom of the barrel and sometimes finding some gems. But this is a little bit different, and so it's going to be a little bit more varied. That's right. Uh, We have a lot of new listeners who may not have heard some of our past Hot Takes episodes. So get ready. We're about to talk about a whole bunch of fucking movies and TV shows. Let's get started. Why don't we kick things off by talking about some of our more recent horror or horror adjacent watches. I have to preface this by saying that I have not been a very good horror fan over the last several months. Uh, I want to say me too. <laughs> I mean, like Chris just said, we we do have this mad dash of horror watching at the end of the year to get ready for our wrap up. You know, everything that we missed, we want to cram in. And then, you know, after that marathon, you kind of want to take a little bit of a break. So some of the newer things that have come out in 2022, I've missed. I will fully admit, but I will add them into that mad dash at the end of the year. That's right. Chris, why don't you start? What's some things that you've watched recently? Well, uh, first on my list is actually The Spine of Night. And I don't know what that is. Yeah. So it's actually, we we actually talked about the trailer for it um, on a Shooting the Flames episode. Okay. And it's uh, kind of that uh, rotoscope animation, similar to Bakshi back in the 70s or 80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, people might remember Fire and Ice or um, even Lord of the Rings animated movie that came out back then by, by Bakshi. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of a very kind of distinct kind of animation, but this is very hard R to X rating. I mean, the main character, uh, you know, is boobs out the entire time voiced by Lucy Lawless. Oh, you know, and there's a lot of good casting here and there's super amazing gore and blood and death and interesting sci-fi fantasy kind of concepts. And it was actually really, really, really well done. If you can get past the distinct animation um, and it's something that you can kind of latch onto over time, like it's really, really immersive and atmospheric. And like the more I thought about it after, the more I liked it and I really want to rewatch it. So it's called The Spine of Night. And I believe uh, you can find that on Amazon streaming. And this is a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I I know that kind of animation style you're talking about, you know, so and I'm I'm here for it sometimes. Yeah. But so. some super, super inventive, nasty, disgusting gore, which is just always fun to see. I mean, I do appreciate that either in like actual film or animation. So, yeah, that's yeah. right up my alley. Uh, one of the things that I've watched recently that's sort of a newer movie that came out in 2022 is the movie X. Oh, um, I really wanted to see this in the theater. And of course, I just didn't. Right. Yeah. Watching things at home has become much more pleasurable than going to the theater sometimes these days. But I watched it over the weekend just recently because it's now on VOD and it is an excellent fucking movie. There's been a lot of high praise for this movie all over social media and, you know, things like that kind of give me pause, but this movie is excellent and I'm not going to give too much away. I like to spoil things, but I can't with this one. Um, It starts out kind of slow 
And it really is just about people making a porno. And there's some weird, creepy things going on. But when shit hits the fan in this movie, like it really hits the fucking fan. And it gets just crazy and bizarre and violent. It's a super huge throwback to like grindhouse, grainy kind of 70s slasher movies. I felt like that from the trailer. Yeah. I don't feel like they're trying to hide that. No, but I mean, like the the tone is certainly there. And it's just like, it really is a good throwback movie. The performances are excellent. The gore is great. I really recommend everyone go check this out for sure. I've seen a lot of people talking very, very highly about this movie. I've seen uh, your rating and I've seen a couple of our listeners ratings for this film um, on Letterboxd. And I am stoked to see it. Now, did you did you have to rent it for the $20 or were you able to like, is it like rent to own type of situation? No, I purchased it. So okay. it's only available to purchase. You can't rent. See, I saw it listed as like the the rentables, like the the in theater or just out of theater rentals that are like the twenty dollar price point. Mm-hmm. Where did you have to? Where did you have to buy it? So I went to Amazon, and the the only option they were giving me was to rent it in four K or no, to own it in four K. Okay, and then with the twenty bucks. Yeah, so sweet. Okay. I have this movie forever, and I'll certainly be watching it again because I feel like after we do that mad scramble at the end of the year. It's still going to be high on my list. Like, it's going to be hard to top in 2022. This movie is like everything that I dig about horror. Like, from the time I was a young fan to now, it's just a very excellent movie. Sweet. And there's a prequel coming out. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. Okay. Let's just say. Is that a movie or is that like a TV, like a show or or a miniseries or. No, it's going to be an actual movie. It's already mostly finished from what I gather. Like the director had a little extra time after they finished this movie. And uh, there's a character who, an actress who plays a dual role in this. And so he got her to stick around for a couple of weeks on location and just start making the prequel. Oh my God. Yeah. So, that almost never happens. I know. So in fact, I, I don't think I've heard of anything quite like that. God bless Ty West, man. He's in it. Okay. So well, I like to vote with my dollars. You know what I mean? So this is something that I wouldn't mind spending the $20 on, but oh. not everyone's in my situation. So, I mean, like, do what you have to do. I mean, at the very least, I own it so we could watch it again together because I totally would watch it again. Okay. Well, speaking of Grindhouse, um, I don't know if this is Grindhouse or Grindhouse adjacent, but there's something grindhouse about it. This is the first time I've ever seen a trauma film, and I finally watched Toxic Avenger. <laughs> it's a really good one to start with. Which is definitely a product of its time. It, it pisses everyone off. I mean, but it's done so well and so tongue-in-cheek that I just enjoyed the fuck out of it. And I am now going to be on an adventure to see more and more trauma films like Newcomb High and, and things like that. I know I, I've knew of I've known of several films throughout the years that I didn't realize were trauma films, like Killer Condom or whatever and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I think in an upcoming month in the near or far future, the film flamers may be doing a trauma month. And that makes me very, very happy. When I was younger, I loved trauma movies so much. Toxic Avenger, one of the first horror movies that I watched when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Just because the, the, the video cassette cover was so interesting. Mm-hmm. And they make really good, like, bad movies for the most part. They're, you know yeah, I mean? they're, they're purposefully made, intentionally made, tone kind of on the edge of a razor, bad movies that are good. Yes. Right? And so it's, it's super intentional in that regard. Um, and it would have to be to be a bad movie that's good. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's super insulting and super gory and super cheesy. 
but intentionally done so and it's just fun if you can just get into it it's i I highly recommend i feel like a trauma month would have to be in april though it's probably yeah comedy month it's probably a great group watch honestly oh for sure friends dummies and friends and poultrygeist i mean come (laughs) on or toxic avenger i haven't seen this movie in a long time when i saw that you had watched it i was a little i had a little fomo you know what i mean i was like i want to watch it (laughs) it's just like god they're making a there's a remake coming out too yeah yep with peter dean the only other really notable new thing that i watched from 2022 as far as horror is concerned is the remake of firestarter which is streaming on peacock and playing in theaters simultaneously and that should have been the biggest fucking red flag i mean honestly i'm sorry i know i mean like it just came out the weekend prior to this recording chris and i were seeing the most awful vitriol about this movie online and on like rotten tomatoes and things like that like I think consensus would be awful and they're right. So yeah, I'm not going to, I don't like shitting on movies too much. We'll just say that it's not good. And um, it's, you know, it's bad when the, one of the best things you can say about the movie is <laughs> Zac Efron. Like he does a, it does a decent job in this movie, but almost everything else is not. Good. I saw an article title like uh, for review of this and it was, the subtitle was Zac Efron should call his manager immediately. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a good movie. I mean, like for fan. Okay, here's my full on review. If you're a fan of Stephen King, or especially if you're a fan of this particular novel, don't watch this movie. Just don't do it. Just stay far, far away from it. We all know the original movie has its problems, but it's still it's got some sort of charm to it. This doesn't have any of that. It takes a very long time to get started. It builds up characters and tries to add some heart. And then like the last part of the movie sort of stomps all over that fucking heart and changes everything about what makes that novel kind of special. And it's just not not pleasant. I think I gave it two stars, which is an incredibly low rating for me. Exactly. Well, I went to the theater. Did you? Yes. I, I went to the theater. <laughs> the legitimate theater? The, yes. And I saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. Which was in some ways a little horror adjacent, but not really. I mean, uh, if you're into Marvel, you know, MCU, and and honestly, I, I feel like it's it was one of the better ones. Honestly, they, they promised a lot and they really, really delivered. And um, they did a lot of nostalgia stuff, um, you know, but they did it in such a way that wasn't throwaway and it wasn't gimmicky and it was really, really uh, well done and interwoven into the story. And uh, if you're ever going to have like a nostalgia bomb, like this is a good, a good movie to, to point to where, you know, it's, it's done fairly right, you know, mm-hmm. and I gave it a pretty high rating. Um, so if anyone's kind of like, casually going through the mcu or they're just tired of it uh, i think you could watch this one and and um and really really enjoy it do you think i could watch this one and really really enjoy it yeah i mean did you see the sam raimi spider-man spider-man movies yes that's pretty much where i stopped yeah and uh you don't need to have seen the andrew garfield ones okay i never saw the second one uh but i knew the kind of the premise and so um if you've seen most of the um most of the mcu stuff with spider-man lately with um tom holland no i haven't um, well, I recommend them. They're, they're really well done. Yeah. You've told me. I, I really I like do them. Watch them. Um, you know, now all three of them so far have been really great. Uh, I think this one probably is, uh, this one and the first one's probably the best, but they're all good. So if anyone's hesitating, I would definitely check it out. This movie made a gobbledy gillion dollars. Yeah. And rightfully so. I don't, I don't look at it and go, you know, shit, you know, it was really, really well done. Honestly. 
I think it's been a long time since there was this kind of like huge popularity in a movie in the theaters where it's like number one for weeks, right? People are seeing it multiple times and people are going to see it, even if they don't like comic book movies. I think like in a, in a pandemic type environment to have a, a film perform like that is kind of incredible. Yeah. So I think it probably speaks volumes about that movie, but I know that you saw another comic book esque movie in the theater this year. Yes. And that was the Batman, which I really need to see. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not huge into the, to the Batman stuff that's been going on the last few recent years. I really liked the sequel to suicide squad called the suicide squad. (laughs) Um, I thought that was excellent. Um, Of course it's by the same guy that did guardians of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Um, so when Marvel kind of fired him for some old tweets, like he went over to DC and made an excellent movie, you know, and now he's back doing Guardians of the Galaxy part three. But anyway, this this movie was is kind of a reset, right? It was originally going to be a, a Ben Affleck vehicle to do a standalone based on Zack Snyder's DC verse or whatever, which, you know, obviously there's a huge Zack Snyder cult that, you know, and people that are kind of casual fans of all that. Uh I am of some of them. I am of not uh, of of others. I kind of liked the the Snyder cut, which which much better than the Whedon cut mm-hmm. of whatever last movie that was. Um, <laughs> I forget uh, uh, Justice League. Justice League, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so this is kind of a reset. It's turned into a reset, and this is Robert Pattinson of all people playing Batman, you know. And it and it it really is uh, not to be paired with the other kind of. Uh, popcorn DC foot movies, I would say it's much more paired with Joker, right? It's kind of an answer to Joaquin Phoenix uh, story of Joker, which kind of hit me the wrong way. It was really, really well made. It was really, really well acted, but it was kind of an anthem for incels in yeah. a way that didn't kind of rub me the right way. And depending on your politics, you might politics, you might feel the same way or not. But this was kind of an answer to that because it kind of begins in kind of the same way where Batman's kind of in that camp. And it's this journey to, to kind of self-reflect of I am not that. You know, and in the beginning, he actually doesn't even go by Batman. He goes by vengeance. Right. And it's uh, in the first 10 to 20 minutes, it really hits a vibe like this is not your normal Batman movie. This is going for the horror of it. This is going for the David Fincher of it all. And so there's a lot of seven in this. There's some Zodiac. Right. And so uh, I, I wouldn't like pile on um, that comparison too hard. But the, the tone and the vibe is there specifically when they're trying to set it in the first 20 minutes where you, you're literally looking at Batman as a horror movie villain essentially from the eyes of the criminals looking into every corner looking into every hallway that's shadowed in darkness and not sure what's there and hearing the sound of something coming and not sure if it's someone that's coming to like basically end you or if it's just a subway rat you know so there's a really really interesting kind of montage at the beginning of this movie that really sets the horror adjacency to it and um it's beautifully filmed and there's some really amazing sequences colin farrell is unrecognizable as i guess the penguin character mm-hmm. um but there's some some really really great stuff in this and it's the best Catwoman since michelle pfeiffer as well so i have a lot of things to say about this i'd love to sit you down and watch it um you know it's it's beautiful um you know, when you when you watch it in the 4K, if you're able to watch it on a really high end system, I've heard both on podcasts and uh, from people talk other than you about it. 
Um, and they, they say that like the cinematography is great. The score is great. Like there's a lot of good things working for this movie and it's super high on my list. I just kind of want to watch it with you. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm waiting for that moment and it will happen naturally, you know? So, I mean, I I really do want to watch the Batman because you sung its praises very highly and you have a very good letterboxed review for that movie, which is intriguing. So I, it's super high on my list. But speaking of Colin Farrell, I know that you also watched a sort of horror, horror adjacent movie recently with him in it, right? Yeah. And, you know, Nicole Kidman, which is kind of our theme this month. That's right. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I watched The Killing of the Sacred Deer, which was um, basically given to us by one of our, our listeners to try and watch that, right? And Dr. To, to get Yeah, to get our to get our take on that. And I didn't enjoy it as much as he did. Right. Um, this is, it's, it's kind of like if the others uh, ended ambiguously or, you know, like I like <laughs> ambiguous movies, you know, I like things like the witch or things that are where not everything's explained. If things are too explained, I lose interest. I like intrigue and there's yeah. some intrigue here, but it's kind of lame in my opinion. It's really great for performances and for a kind of a slow burn. Uh, I'm really interested to see what you think about it. Um, you know, but as, as far as like the so what, there is nothing there. It's it's basically like a snapshot. And it's to me, I, I needed a little bit more meaning in it. This is also really high on my list to watch, and it has been for a long time. I keep thinking about that. I, I want to watch this movie even before Dr. Joe said, you know, we'd like to know our thoughts on it. And for some reason, I just keep passing it by. When I could watch, you know, something else. And and I don't know what that says about that movie. It's not that I don't want to see it. And now that he's talked about it so highly and you've talked about it and not not a completely negative sense, like I'm, I'm sort of more intrigued. So I'm just going to have to bump that up my list and watch it. I kind of am kicking myself now that I didn't watch it for this hot takes, knowing that you did. You know what I mean? I think this would be an excellent opportunity for us to answer that listener question and give our full thoughts. But I guess well, stay tuned. Yeah. And I think that person is correct in thinking it would be a good fodder for a deep dive. Because even though I didn't very much enjoy it more than like a three star or so, um, I, I've forgotten what exactly I rated it, three, three and a half. But there's enough fodder there um, from a story standpoint to talk about the ambiguity and also from a directing standpoint. Now, I think this might this film actually might be studied in various film schools for the direction of actors specifically. Oh, yeah. It's there's a very definite choice that was made and kind of changed throughout the film to where the actors are acting in a certain way at the beginning of the film as it goes through. And I don't know if that was a mistake or certainly was an artistic choice, you know, but and it's kind of subtle. But you would understand, I think, after watching the film um, that's worth mentioning and talking about. So. Well, I think I'm going to watch it very soon and then maybe we'll, we'll look and see where it can fit on the docket. It's certainly better than Firestarter. Oh, God, dude, that's a low fucking bar. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we just watched it and trip over that bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I watched a movie that sort of sparked an entire thing for maybe like a, a long weekend. And I watched this documentary called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. And it's a documentary about folklore, right? Sort of like tracing its roots in film and like showing it where it is today, both from like a British standpoint and American standpoint, and then eventually in a global way. Right. And it was the best fucking documentary. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I gave it five stars on letterboxd. It's like three and a half hours long. What is it on? It's on shutter. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it played some festivals last year 
and uh, recently won the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Documentary, Best Horror Documentary. Like it's an excellent watch and it's very thorough. I mean, they leave no stone unturned. If this, if anything is like remotely folk horror, they sort of talk about it. Maybe not in depth, but I mean, like they, they talked about a lot of movies and a lot of different aspects of folk horror and that really like set off a little like a jag for me and i made a list of like three movies from that documentary that i wanted to watch right and the very first one was a rewatch of the wicker man from the 70s right so i mean nicholas cage his version is is fine you know what i mean it's it's okay but nothing nothing compares to this original movie and it's almost compares (laughs) to wicker man (laughs) It's, I mean, it's a musical too, for crying out loud. I mean, people are singing in it and it's just an amazing movie. And I've forgotten all about it because I hadn't seen it since I was a teenager, really. I've never seen it. I I know. And I really want you to. I feel like this is also deep dive worthy. I feel like, I feel like we'd have a really good conversation about the Wicker Man. It's classic. Yeah. It's just so, so good. So if you have not seen this movie, go do it. Uh, The second movie on my list from watching that documentary was The Village, which is another rewatch because I had not seen it since that movie came out. You're talking about M. Night Shyamalan? Yes. And they, they talked about that movie pretty heavily in that documentary. And I was like, God, I hadn't seen that movie in forever. I didn't really care for it when it first came out. I was like, it's probably been enough time in between. Let's give it another chance. And it turns out it's a good movie. Yes. (laughs) I always liked it. I did not. And God, Ron Howard's daughter, um, Bryce Dallas, Bryce Dallas Howard is a fucking revelation in that fucking movie. And so is Joaquin Phoenix, really. Yeah. I mean, like all the acting in that movie is so good. I cannot pinpoint after this rewatch why I disliked that movie. I may have been a little M. Night Shyamalan shy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he seemed to have come out with like all these movies back to back. And I was like, it's enough with the fucking twists, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But on this rewatch, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, if you're if you're like not if you're hating on twist for twist's sake, you know, yeah, it does kind of serve the story though. It makes it more interesting, but you know, the wrap up of a twist is always the most important thing. And I don't know, I don't remember enough. Um, I but I've rewatched this film a couple of times, and I always enjoy it. I love the music. It's like the, violins, the soundtrack. The music is so great. I have added it to some playlists of mine because I hope eventually we're going to be doing another like top 10 scores at some point or like, you know, revisiting that and like 10 more. And I would certainly add that to the list. I would totally watch this movie again and I would totally add it as a deep dive. Yeah. I think that it's a really good horror adjacent movie, horror movie to watch. Plus it has Sigourney Weaver. It does have Sigourney Weaver and William Hurt. <laughs> oh, I know. R.I.P. So, I mean, like, totally, I have a newfound respect for that film. And then the last one... It's a bad color. It's <laughs> <laughs> my takeaway. Well, Adrian Brody. Uh, the last movie that I really wanted to watch after watching that documentary is something I'd never seen before called Lair of the White Worm. Oh. And this is sort of like British folk horror from, like, the late 80s, and it has uh, Hugh Grant in it. Oh. Yeah. And it's like the most bizarre, like trippy fucking movie. It's Ken Russell who directed it. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's going to be a little fucking bat shit. But this movie was way more bat shit than I was expecting. There's like a scene of like topless nuns like dancing around in some sort of like ritual. And it's, it's just really weird and fun and neat. And I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. I think I gave it like three and a half stars. So, yeah. I mean, like... 
not deep dive worthy, but fun. I had created a whole list of other folk horror movies that I wanted to watch, but you know, sometimes your attention span wanes and I was like, I'll come back and revisit this list later on and maybe more with you. Like maybe this is something that we can dive into in the future and do some more folk horror stuff. I know that we really want to talk about the witch at some point. Oh, I, yeah. I feel like that fits into that category quite, quite yeah, well. I think even Midsummer would fit in with folk a little bit. I believe they talked about both those movies in that documentary. Actually, I kind of just want you to watch this documentary. <laughs> so maybe we'll just, like pack it in one weekend you know what i mean i mean it's pool season so maybe not anytime soon but we'll just have gummies and then we'll watch a three and a half hour batman movie and then we'll watch a three and a half hour <laughs> fucking documentary about folklore and we'll just call it a fucking day yeah. okay. <laughs> i don't think batman's that long is it two and a half hours Probably. something like that why am i why am i always picking these documentaries that are like three and a half and four hours long to watch i don't what's wrong with me is this why you're my only friend? <laughs> I don't know. I watched literally last night. I didn't get to bed until like 2 a.m. because I was watching a documentary. Well, like I guess a YouTube series about deep sea divers, but they were reacting to a video of um, Ukrainian guys that were going into Chernobyl and diving in radioactive oh my <laughs> ice <God>. water. <laughs> <laughs> and they're knocking dust everywhere and like they're literally putting saran wrap on their bodies and putting a fish tank on their heads so they can go underneath and like having someone with a bike pump to pump air into it oh, because Jesus. they're just fucking stupid and i was just like enamored the entire time i mean i get it you know i've, I've been there not to chernobyl but i've been there in that situation <laughs> of being enamored in something that you think i mean halfway through this documentary i'm like i'm the only person who's seen this you know what i mean but yeah. obviously that's not true I watch some TV. I rarely do. What did you watch? <laughs> <laughs> I watched Moon Knight, and I, I've watched a lot more TV than this, but um, I watched Moon Knight, and it's probably the most, I, I don't want to say most horror-adjacent Marvel, um, you know, but it is, it's certainly mo- probably the most adult. I mean, this came from Marvel Knights comics. There's a little bit more adult, a little older level uh, readers, and Moon Knight's just one of those characters, I guess, kind of like Deadpool yeah. can be, you know, and... Um, I felt like the beginning was really strong and the end because was fairly strong, but kind of the middle, it was like going for those water cooler moments and then everything in between was kind of filler. And I don't like that. Um, you know, I, I also had some issues with the, the way it was directed uh, from time to time and the way the story was moving forward. And it, I, I felt like they should have done a better job or maybe it would have been a better movie because they were kind of, they kind of, it felt a little stretched too thin. Okay. You know? And so I can't really highly recommend Moon Knight and it didn't seem like it had any effect on the rest of the MCU whatsoever. And that was going to be my question because I feel like we've had an abundance of Marvel TV shows since Disney plus has become a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like shows like Loki and shows like WandaVision have had a much larger presence on social media. Like people seem to be talking about them a lot. And I really saw nobody talking about Moon Knight at all. Really? I mean, even you during Loki and WandaVision would have things to show me for the most part or talk about on a weekly basis sometimes. And I think you've shown me one clip of Moon Knight and that's pretty much all you've talked about. Yeah. Uh, I showed you a water cooler moment. Yep. So <laughs> I don't, and I really like Oscar Isaac. So that makes me sad, but I feel like I don't get to see his face very much in this show. And yeah. that, that also makes me sad. No, he's a lot. And he plays two different characters, three okay. sometimes. And you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. And, and Ethan Hawke's always fun. Um, but honestly, I, I just didn't really click for me. We, we ended up just watching the whole thing, but 
Meh. Take it or leave it on, on retrospect. I also watched uh, Oats Studios. And I'm not sure what this is. So it's kind of like robots, love, love death robots or whatever. Oh, uh, this is kind of one off. Yeah, no. And um, Sigourney Weaver is actually in one of these, okay. which is actually really cool. It's kind of coming back as kind of like a sci-fi badass. Mm. So it's kind of worth seeing a couple of these. Uh, I forget which one that was. It was like Zygote or Firebase. Like some of these, are, a lot of these are standalone. Some of these are like two minutes long. Some of them are 20 minutes long. Um, and they kind of leave with cliffhangers. They're almost like, um, like Neil Blomkamp's like pitch to say like, these are movies that I could do. Oh, you know, and with all the effects done and and everything else, and be like, this is a short version of like a whole movie or a series of movies or a mini series that I could do, versus like actual like stories with middle, you know, middle, beginning, and end, um, like you would see on Love, Death, and Robots. And so it kind of hit me in a weird way. They're worth watching some of them just because of the they're super well done, but because of the the they're made to be kind of teasers, and you know that probably nothing's going to come of it. It's it's kind of hard to to digest that in a way that has meaning. So Oat Studios is on Netflix. Um, it's it's worth watching at least the one that was Sigourney Weaver. This is animation. No. Oh. Well, I, some. I mean, I think there's a couple that are, but I mean, like that's mostly completely live action with completed special effects, visual effects, and everything. Yeah. Oh, I just got suddenly more interested. Yeah. I, I thought you were talking about like Sigourney Weaver's voice. And I was just like, I'm still on board for that. No, you know what I mean? Sigourney I like Weaver Paul. is, yeah. So. Okay, good. I mean, our queen. And you said it's on Netflix? Yep. All right. I'm super looking forward to the next season of Love, Death, and Robots. Because yeah. I was hard against like watching that. And then the, when the first season came out and, we, and you sat us down, me and my husband, to watch it. I was just like, fuck yeah. I mean, like, and so like the last season I enjoyed better than the first, really. I'm super looking forward to this third season. I'm so ready. Yeah. So ready to watch it. Um, I didn't watch a lot of TV, but I, I did watch a couple things that I guess could be considered like television. It's sort of episodic or at least one of these, but this is going to be my obligatory, like true crime corner. I do this every time we have a hot takes. I just, I mean, I watch true crime shit sometimes and uh, I've watched like three or four things, but only two were really good enough for me to recommend. The first one is sort of an HBO documentary. I think it came out a couple of years ago and it's called Thought Crimes. And the only reason I watched it is because I knew about this case, right? Essentially, it's about this guy who was a New York City police officer and he was arrested and tried because he was a member of some sort of like fetish message board and they would talk about like kidnapping and torturing and eating and killing people, right? Because it's what got them off. And he happened to show pictures on this message board of people that he knew, people that he maybe fantasized about and never did anything to. He never harmed them in any way. And he kept all this private, like it was just his sexual release or whatever. And then his wife found his laptop and left him and eventually turned him in and he was tried and originally convicted for crimes that he didn't really commit. They were like, well, you were talking about eating these people. So clearly you're guilty. Okay. Right. And so like, I, I really, I like this case because it brings up an interesting concept, right? I mean, can we be arrested and convicted for things that we just think about or talk about, you know, and sometimes, yes, you can. I mean, if you're actively like planning a murder, 
It's conspiracy. Yeah, you know, but I mean, like, this man was in prison for years. I know there's conspiracy to murder, but I, I don't know if there's, like, conspiracy to, you know, eat people or a conspiracy to child molest or something, you know? I mean, like, he 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 didn't do any of these things, you know what I mean? And I, I, I can't, I mean, I don't want to condone any sort of, like, activity or whatever, but it doesn't make any sense to, like, kink shame people either, you know? I feel like if it's in a controlled environment and you're just talking about it and it gets you off fine i mean it's like that's that minority report question yes exactly right and so we sort of have something like that now i mean he was eventually sort of like given a new trial and but his life is completely ruined you know what i mean i mean like there's no way to come back from something like that and i mean i just don't know where to put my emotions on something like he he didn't actually do anything like you know i mean he didn't eat any people or whatever but i don't know it was a a thought-provoking documentary yeah so the other one that I watched is sort of a three-part true crime miniseries on Hulu called Captive Audience. And it's sort of about this family called the Stainers. And they have had, like, I don't know, a whole history of bad shit happen to them. Their son was um, abducted when he was young. And he lived with his captor for a long time and finally escaped. And it brought a lot of major attention to that family in the 80s. There was a, a miniseries on TV called I Know My Name is Steven or something like that. And later on, his brother eventually became a serial killer. So, I mean, it was essentially like the entire show was talking about like the the Steven Stainer case of him being kidnapped. And then like the after effects on how like, you know, the family had to deal with the true crime TV movie of the week aspect. And then the third part was talking about how their other son eventually became a serial killer. Right. Oh. So it's it was interesting, thought provoking, a good watch. I gave that three and a half stars. It's on Hulu. So go check it out. Okay. I'm most interested in the folk do- documentary that you were talking about. <laughs> oh, we're watching that shit. <laughs> so I rewatched some things. Okay. Yeah. So starting with the Godfather series, I hadn't seen them in a little bit and I'd never seen the third one. Coda. I know. And, um, uh, Matt had never seen a single Godfather movie. So we watched all of those. The first obviously being, uh, still in my mind, the best, uh, the second is kind of a close, uh, close contender and the third obviously being kind of a distant but still a good movie uh, from what I can tell I watched like the latest actual directors 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 cut which I've probably never seen you know called Coda yeah uh, the Godfather part three uh, or the death of Michael Corleone and it was actually pretty good um, you know but nothing really compares to that first Godfather movie in my opinion um, you know uh, there's there's a little bit of a horror adjacency in the first one too there's like a hospital scene you know, um, and a horse head yeah, and a horse head. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've never seen the series, definitely at least watch the first one. I'm glad you watched the third one. Um, I've only seen the original cut when it first came out and it's like, as far as I'm concerned, like really nothing to write home about. It's not terrible. Well, okay. it had just come out on 4k for the first time. Oh yeah. Completely remastered and all that stuff. And so I watched it and it was just, it was the first movie and some really all of them, but the, really the first one, has such a, an amazing palette with, of cinematography. It's all kind of like these browns and blacks and, and everything. All the blacks are kind of just like these deep uh, blacks that create such an interesting, cool contrast, very romantic kind of gothic contrast on the screen. Um, and of course, the first film in its entirety is kind of a filmmaking masterclass. Agreed. I remember when I one of the first times that I had met your husband, we were having a beach trip or something all together as couples. Right. And he, he literally said he was just like, if I want to watch movies to be a better film fan or whatever, what should I watch? And I'm like, well, the Godfather for sure. 
you know, like you really need to watch that movie. Everyone should. Uh, I do have to say though, that if I'm talking about best movies in that series, I prefer the second one to the first one. I realize the first one is a fucking classic and a masterpiece, but I would every day would choose the second one to watch over again. You know, that was my first opinion before I, I told him, I thought there was there's an argument that the second one is even better than the first, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people in like a, in sequel arguments of saying like, which sequel like outshine the first, you know, people talk about aliens from the alien. And I think they're different movies. Right. And uh, the almost different genre, right. The first is like a, a little bit more closer knit. And the second one is much more of an epic. Yeah. You know? And so uh, I, I said like the the first time I watched the part two, I was like, this, this is even better than the first for different reasons. And now watching them all together and having already seen them for the first time, I uh, actually like the first one a little bit better now. I'd kind of like to rewatch that series again. So maybe I'll add that to my list at some point. Mm. What else do you watch? Also rewatched Sunset Boulevard because you hadn't seen it yet. And I just like made you had, you know, you had to see it. It was years coming. I mean, you have always told me I've got to see this movie and it's a glaring hole in my movie experience. Yeah, it's gay history. It's, uh, you know, film noir history. It's it's campy. It's scary. It's interesting. It's creepy. It's sad. And it's all encapsulated in this little black and white, you know, uh, movie about an aging an aging actress. And we've talked a little bit about this, um, you know, in some of the things that we've talked about, uh, I think shooting the flames. We also watched something recently where that kind of thing was happening. And we, we were talking about, I think um, I mentioned it in death becomes her. Yeah. Death bit. becomes her. We were yeah. talking about it. And so if you haven't seen sunset Boulevard, it's definitely, definitely worth watching. So we watched it recently. How many times have you seen it before that? I, I think just the once oh, I really? saw it in Boston. Okay. The first time. Yeah. I mean, so did it hold up though? I mean, did you like it as much? Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really good. I mean, I just love the ending. The ending is just so fucking perfect. It's, I mean, it's a, actually a fantastic movie. We're sitting here talking about things that we're watching for the first time or rewatches. Right. And there's so many things that I would add to our own fucking ducket. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I feel like sunset Boulevard has a place in the film flamers as a deep dive. Oh, sure. Like, quite frankly, there's, there's a lot of conversation to have. If nothing there. else to get more eyes on it. Yes. And I think it's getting me remade soon. As a as musical. Well. Yeah, they're doing the musical version. Yeah. And of course, the musical's been around too. Yep. Right. Which which is good. Which is funny. That's a whole story about that too, that we could deep dive. You know, Patti LuPone was supposed to be oh. that character. And then Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of like knocked her out because Glenn Close was interested. And so she sued and won. And so for forevermore, she has a pool in her backyard. She calls the Andrew Lloyd Webber apology pool. <laughs> Wow, there's a fun fact, damn it. <laughs> it's almost as if we never said goodbye. <laughs> I really fucking enjoyed Sunset Boulevard. I'm glad you made me watch it. I mean, obviously, like Chris and I, like we've already talked about, there's there's things that we want to show each other. You know what I mean? We're, and sometimes we're sort of like beholden to what we've chosen for the podcast a little bit. So when we get to sit down together and watch things that have been on like lists to show each other is is excellent. I am big. It's the pictures that got smaller. <laughs> Such a good movie. My dad was so happy that I finally watched that movie too. He talked about it for like 45 minutes when I went to go see it. <laughs> I also rewatched Drag Me to Hell. Always good. Yeah. And, you know, I watch that every, you know, five or 10 years, you know, and it's just 
an amazing i, I kind of wanted to pre-game my sam raimi for dr strange i guess mm-hmm. and uh, matt hadn't seen it in a while and uh and i think it was my friend diane's birthday and she wanted to see it and it's just so well done it's so creepy and funny and just expertly toned the entire way through and uh it's just always just a great watch so if you haven't seen drag me to hell i mean come on i haven't seen it I've seen it twice, and both of those were when it first came out, you know, right around that time. I bought it as soon as I was able after it had come out because I loved it so much. I bought it a couple years ago because I was at one of those used, like, DVD stores, mm-hmm. and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to buy this, right? And so I just haven't watched it again yet. But after your rewatch, it's super high on my list of rewatches. Again, something else that probably should be on our docket yeah. at some point. And speaking of dockets, like, I'm already, like, a broken record with this shit. And I don't know why in the world I fucking rewatched this movie. I, I feel like I saw it on some sort of clip show or something, but I rewatched War of the Worlds oh. with Tom Cruise. Yeah. And it's a hell of a lot better than what I remembered. Really? Yeah, I really, really dug it this time around. Yeah, I think it's a solid flick. Uh, I think the the alien like weapons are fucking terrifying. I mean, the whole movie is kind of terrifying, yeah. really. And I mean, like Tom Cruise is excellent in it. The, the kid actors are really good in it. It packs an emotional punch. Right? I think the movie kind of grinds to a halt at a certain point in the movie when they go into this like cabin to hide out, you know, and it comes with a different type of horror. And yeah. then it doesn't really quite recover from that. But, you know, the first three-fourths of this movie are just gold. And I, I gave this four and a half stars on this rewatch because I had only seen it the one time when it first came out. I think in the theater maybe. And I just really, really appreciated it a lot more. I feel like instead of rewatching movies that I know I already love, you know what I mean? I really need to like, you know what? I hated that fucking movie when it came out. I think I need to watch it again. Like that, that time of my life is happening. Okay. As a 40 year old man. And you hated this movie when it came out? Yeah, I didn't like it. I thought it was boring. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. And I, I, I don't know why. I mean, like I like all the actors in it for the most part. I just think I th- maybe I felt it was overly long or it was slow or something, but something in this rewatch, I was just like, man, this movie's good, you know? And I, it's Spielberg. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't have ever doubted that, but I don't know. It's, it's something I'd like to talk about in depth, maybe sometime in the future. Okay. Well, we're reaching the point in our conversation where Chris and I need to talk about some movies that we have watched together. Um, and two very big ones, movies that we have talked about, um, either trailers on Shooting the Flames or in one of the cases, many, many, many times on Shooting the Flames, either as a news item or a teaser or a trailer. So why don't we start with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Yeah, and we did not watch this together. Oh, you're right. Fuck. No, we just watched it around the same time. <laughs> yeah, I told you to go see it. Uh, actually, I invited you to my showing and you bowed out, um, you know, because of timing and work and, and things like that. But uh, you did go and see it on your own. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you did. Mm-hmm. I think we both rated around a four. I rated it four stars. Yeah, I rated it a four. It's not perfect. Uh, it's a little messy, but you, you can tell that they basically had a mess of writers and then they like took off Scott Derrickson who did the original and they put on Sam Raimi, you know, and it just, it's, it's funny because it doesn't feel disjointed in a way that it's like this director and then that director and this director. I think Sam Raimi directed most of this picture, if not all of it, but the story was originally kind of Scott Derrickson. It's not wholly Sam Raimi's. It's not wholly the MCU's. This does feel like almost the most unique MCU movie in a way, Uh simply because it's very, very much it's director's movie. I think at the beginning it feels more MCU-ish 
And then just as it goes, you can almost feel uh, Kevin Feige, who is, of course, the celebrated producer and and mastermind behind the entire MCU, uh, kind of just letting go and gritting his teeth and letting Sam Raimi do his thing because as the movie goes on, it just gets more and more and more Sam Raimi to the point of uh, a lot of like body horror and like horror comedy and, um, you know, interesting weird kind of like fight scenes that you wouldn't expect that you'd expect from like drag me to hell or evil dead or something like i almost expected the fucking moose on the wall to start laughing at some point you know (laughs) they fight with music at one point you know uh i i thought like from the trailer like one of the main bad guys like evil doctor strange or something with all the zombie arms coming out of him or whatever was going to be a bad guy nope Nope, I don't want to spoil too much, but it's just like it's just so weird and interesting uh, how they kind of turn some things upside down uh, to make what uh, you know horror imagery be actually the side of good in some cases. Yeah, you know, um, and it's it was kind of an interesting, unique, inventive way to do it. Um, you know, whether the sum is you know greater, whether the whole is like the greater than the sum of its parts is a different question. Um, but it was fun to see, and I'll definitely watch it again, if nothing else, for the Sam Raimi visuals. I have to agree with your entire review, actually. I feel like this movie started out kind of very Marvel-y, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, except I think that little that octopus monster at the beginning is really neat looking. I feel like the visual effects are kind of stepped up in this, you know? Like the little suckers on that monster's arms or tentacles look fucking real you know oh yeah they did a good job that that monster they called gargantuan or something like that but that's because they don't have the rights to the original the actual name of it because it's everything kind of tied up in different properties yeah it's supposed to be shumagorath which is uh one of the many angled ones is like an abstract representation of something that is essentially as big as a universe and is constantly trying to get into others kind of like dormammu from the original dr strange shumagorath is like way more powerful like and so this is just a tiny little aspect of him and so that was was, really really fun to see it was neat you know what i mean it was a really good intro to this movie and you're right as the movie goes on i feel like whether or not sam raimi had a huge influence in the screenplay he certainly had an influence in the way this movie was made because by like the second half of this film it's a fucking raimi movie you know and I'm, i'm digging it uh there was some really good like horror moments in this horror visuals, even some like horror throwbacks. I feel like some of Elizabeth Olsen's makeup, you know, is very reminiscent of like Carrie in certain moments in this movie. I feel like this is, and may be the only like horror Marvel movie we'll get, you know, I mean, horror adjacent. Yeah. We can say that about a lot of comic book movies, but this is a horror movie like flat out. It just is. And I enjoyed it. You know, I think, Though I should have tempered my expectations just a little bit because I really enjoyed the first Doctor Strange a lot. Yeah. And then when you find out that Sam Raimi is doing a sequel, you know, then I'm like, fuck yeah. And it was it was good. Very good. Very watchable and rewatchable. I just think I was expecting some sort of like horror comic masterpiece that I was probably never going to get. No. So I, I need to learn to temper those expectations just a little bit. Still a fun movie. Definitely. And definitely worth rewatching. The music fight scene is gold. Yeah, there's so, so there, there's a lot of gold, and but there's some of the things that that would be too spoilery that, that I was kind of disappointed with. Um, and there's 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 definitely something to be said about the trailer for this movie that is so counter to what the movie is. Mm-hmm. It's got me super excited. You know, you're thinking you're going into some sort of like buddy cop movie with Doctor Strange and and the Scarlet Witch, right? You know, and it's completely not that. And I love that they kept that 
kind of close to the chest. Agreed. And Elizabeth Olsen in this movie is just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, she, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that she's a really good actress. I mean, if you watch things like Martha Marcy May Marlene or whatever, I mean, like she's, she's good. She's a good actress. And I mean, recently she's just, she's done Marvel, you know? And, but I think she's really taken this role and taken it to heart. And like, she just, just really good in this movie. You know, yeah. I would not be surprised if we had some sort of acting nomination from this for her, you know, at a least lot of people are buzzing about it. I don't think it's going to happen because it's an MCU movie. No, I mean, it needs to happen at some point though. Yeah. I mean, so they, they can't make all these movies and we, I mean, like they're starting to get a lot more cred. I mean, even like black Panther certainly was, you know, an Oscar nominee for best picture even. So I, I feel like it could happen. This is not a best picture nominee, but I the, the acting in this is superb. Yeah. We also watched under the Egypt, this is going to be a real short conversation, guys. I don't. I can't remember why we watched this movie. The Pyramid. The Pyramid. Uh, I think we were talking about both having not seen it and maybe were interested at some point. We both like like Egyptology and yeah, and, you know all that stuff. And I mean, and I like I like a good you know like booby trap horror movie yeah. or whatever. And it's bad. I don't even remember like half the shit that happened in this movie. Like it's so forgettable. Fucking Anubis actually shows up. Like there's like a new buy everywhere. <laughs> a new buy. Did you? I mean, I I feel like we both blocked this movie. The only reason I added it to the to the list is because like we watched it and we both walked away like what a flaming pile of shit this movie is. I'm trying to remember different scenes and literally just scenes from Moon Knight being in, stuck under a pyramid like in a, in a horror adjacent like sequence is coming up and not this movie and i'm just like i'm, I'm having a hard time pulling it up moon knight has to be better it's best that you I'm don't sure. remember this movie yeah. it's okay don't watch the pyramid well and if you have please god if you if you've seen the pyramid and you like it tweet at us or whatever comment on the episode and tell us that you like it and why because i'm super curious to know who likes this movie yeah that sounds bad but whatever we also both watched Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This is something that we talked about the trailer on Shooting the Flames. And um, we were both like super stoked about, right, just based on the trailer. Right. And I remember uh, talking about that trailer and being really excited about it. And I also remember talking about Michelle Yeoh back when we did our Sunshine episode and thinking, hey, what if uh, what if Michelle Yeoh just played all the parts in this movie? <laughs> and guess what? Someone must have heard our uh, our plea and uh, actually made a movie. And so this is essentially everything everywhere all at once where Michelle Yeoh is kind of across the, the multiverse. This is a multiverse movie, the best multiverse movie. If you're going to see any multiverse movie this summer, <laughs> that's which there are like three or four. You know? God, really? <laughs> or something, you know. Most of them are MCU, oh, obviously. Yeah. You know, Doctor Strange and like the Spider-Man, you know. They're all part of the MCU multiverse, you know, but this is definitely its own thing. And uh, it's used as kind of like a, a tool to really tell a really cool story. And so I was expecting a really awesome, like fun movie, but I came out of it really like emotionally kind of devastated in a way and like hyped up in a way that I didn't expect. And I, I knew that it's like one of those movies that come out every 10 or 20 years or so where you just have to get everyone you know in front of it you know and so my my sole purpose in life was to basically get you in front of that movie and i did and thank god because so when it came out 
you went to go see it when it first came out and we're singing its praises. And then uh, my next two most trusted like film people, which my friend Erica and my cousin Stacy both went to go see it. And they both told me, they're like, you need to see this movie. This movie is for you. Right. They're like, it's, it's weird in the best ways and it has an emotional punch. And I'm like, perfect. That's exactly what I like. And then I got a little scared. I'm like, no, like that's a lot of high praise for this movie. And so I did something that I should, should have done for Doctor Strange and I tempered my expectations going in yeah. and I came out just loving this fucking movie this movie's so good yep. like everything about it is great the acting the visuals Jamie Lee Curtis I mean like it's so so good to a point where I walked out of the movie wishing that it had been released later in the year I'm like it's very rare for movies to come out that early in like the the year springtime and still be considered when it comes for like Oscar nominations time but this movie so far is the best thing I've seen in 2022. It's also kind of like the little engine that could no don't get me wrong it's not a shoestring budget but it's a, a basically a fraction of what any given like MCU or or popcorn flick would be made for. And I think all of the effects were done by just six people just like friends they had out in the music video world. You know, and uh, this whole movie with all of the different multiverse elements and all the different costumes and settings and everything was done in 27 days, amazing which is me. just insane to me that they were able to pull this off with such a budget, with such a cast, with such, you know, a low amount of people working on it. And it ended up being what it is and looking what it was and meaning what it is, you know, and there was some surprises in this that aren't in the trailer. Like the daughter was amazing. And yes. of course there's success in heartfelt stories outside of the film, like getting that actor who played her husband out of retire, basically acting retirement. Um, you know, he, he actually put the little boy in Indiana Jones, um, uh, part two or whatever. Short round order. Short round. Yeah. Mm. And he was in the Goonies. And then he kind of quit acting because there wasn't many roles available for, you know, teenage, you know, Asian men. And so he kind of went to the other side of the camera and then uh, Crazy Rich Asians came out and he got FOMO and he was like, I want to be a part of this again. And he called his agent. And then within a week, he got everything everywhere all at once, which is amazing. And he just he does such a good job. Everyone does amazing job in this movie. I think I gave it a five star. Um and I think you gave it a four and a half because you felt like the end was a little, a little overdone. Yeah. And that's exactly why. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the movie, but I thought that the end was really, really much longer than it needed to. I mean, I feel like, I feel like there were emotional conversations. I was crying for the last like 30 minutes of this movie, like nonstop. My yeah. face hurt by the time I walked out of the theater because they draw that emotional part out so much. And I was like, that could have been shortened just a little bit. I mean, this movie is a wild ride. And then you get to the end and the emotional punch is also a wild ride. And I mean, I just feel like just truncate that just a little bit and it would have made the movie completely perfect. You yeah. know what I mean? I still have it's kind high- of a nitpick though. Cause I feel yeah. kind of the same way, but I was like, for all intents and purposes, I was like, is it perfect? No, but for all intents and purposes, like it actually has a message about perfectly imperfect. And that's why I gave it a fucking five star. Cause that, it kind of hangs a lantern on it. And you're right. Cause I mean, and the thing is, I mean, like if I think about a movie for fucking days or weeks after I've seen it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Let's speak super, super highly of it. And I did, I thought about this movie and its message and just the movie itself. I mean, like it's fun. And, 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 and emotional and just, just really, really good. And I hope that this movie is recognized throughout the year. It deserves all the fucking awards 
Oh yeah, there's people talking about it being up for best picture, I best hope. directors, best original screenplay. Uh, they're talking about Jamie Lee Curtis. They're talking about Michelle Yeoh, certainly. Yes. You know, so I, I have a feeling like if, if this doesn't get at least the noms that people want it to, like already it's the highest rated film in Letterboxd history or was for quite a few weeks. Well, and that's the other thing. We left this theater and I was already sad about the 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 box office for this. I was just like, okay, this movie's not making the kind of money that it should. More people should be seeing this movie. And then the weeks after we saw it, which is maybe like its second week of release, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people are still going to see this movie. So I have huge hopes for this for the rest of the year. I feel like word of mouth and especially when it gets to VOD or Blu-ray, like people are going to see this movie and they're going to love it. And it's going to be some sort of like cultural touchstone. Like no one's going to forget this movie for a very long time. It was a risk too for them because in order to actually get it kind of distributed, they had to sell all worldwide rights. Mm. So all the money that they're making from this movie is essentially coming from us only. Uh, as far as I know, as far as what from what I've read. And so, so far, like it took them a while. They did very, very little marketing, only like online marketing and no billboards or anything like that. And so uh, essentially what they did was it took a while, but they're finally over that $25 million mark to where it's a it's bona fide hit. And it might be A24s. We didn't even mention that it's A24. True. But it might be uh, A24s um, uh, given enough legs uh, highest rated or most successful movie behind maybe Hereditary, uh, or it might might actually surpass Hereditary. We or don't even X, but I mean, it doesn't even X fucking made a lot matter. Of money too. I mean, that's a different conversation too. I feel like A twenty four has not. I mean, amongst horror fans, yeah, people love that studio. You know what I mean? But I think people are finally starting to realize they make good movies. Like period. You know, yeah. fucking Green Knight. I mean, come on. So. Listeners in America, now that he said that, if you have not seen this movie, get your ass to the fucking theater before it's out, because this is a theater watch, like for sure. Yeah, I just wish, I, I I hope that most people are going into like a full theater, you know, yeah, you know, for that that really awesome audience reaction throughout, um, you know, and very least, you know, bring a group of people with you if you can, because it's fun. You know, the most the more more people you bring with you, just like the the more group you know, therapy it is in a way. And, but if you absolutely can't do it in a group or see it in a full theater, then it's fine to see it by yourself. It's still going to be a great movie. Uh, I don't want to oversell it. Um, you know, but I I think we just really did. (laughs) I know we, we've already done that. It's way too late. All I have, all I also can say is Rekakuni. I mean, please God. (laughs) So I have one more thing to talk about Chris, but can we really, really talk about it? Not really. You know, this movie has been, I don't know if it's been announced, but it's certainly been reported on. And that is, I guess it's a U.S. remake of Goodnight Mommy. And so we as a Film Flamers are privileged individuals and have gotten early access to see it before even a trailer has been made or the effects have been finalized for that matter. And all we can say is that we have seen it and that it is good. Yes. So look out for that. Because I'm sure we'll be having other Hot Takes episodes, and once this movie is fully released, or maybe even after our trailer comes out, maybe we can talk about it a little bit more fully. Yeah, because we signed our lives away, so. (laughs) Stay tuned, okay? Because it is. It's a good movie. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps up our latest Hot Takes episode. It's been a while since we've had one, and we want to know what you think, both about this format and the movies and TV shows that we have talked about. You can let us know all these things on social media, at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com. 
or call our hotline. Be my everything everywhere all at once at 972-666-7733. Good night, Mommy. Mm, Get under my pyramid. (laughs) Start my fire, Zac Efron. That also wraps up our content on the main feed for May. We hope you enjoyed all the Nicole Kidman. And we have a little bit more Nicole Kidman for you over on Patreon.com slash The Film Flamers, where we had a poll. And we are talking about Did I Forever. So go check that out. And also, stay tuned for June. We're taking a real trashy route. And we're going to be talking about Basic Instinct and Showgirls. Verhoeven all over. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Well, Chris. I'm still doing sexy voices. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like I need to do that forever now. All right. It's time for me to go off and uh, find an everything bagel because I'm starving. You too. And have some sweet dreams. Rocket Cooney. <laughs> <laughs>